What's up, everybody? It is your favorite podcast host, Eben Britton. I hope this message finds you well, standing in your highest greatness, stepping into your power on this day. The world needs you. The world needs your light. The world needs your energy. And hopefully my words, my podcasts, everything I do can empower you and inspire you to be in that. Today's episode is a great one. It is with a a young phenom. Kid's name is Max Gomez. He's about 24 years old. He's the CEO and founder of the app Breathwork. It's become literally my favorite app. Um, In this episode, it's all about breathwork. It's all about anxiety, dealing with anxiety, dealing with fear, dealing with panic attacks. That's how he came to create his revolutionary business. He took a very ancient technique, modernized it, and made it super accessible for everyone out there. So with this podcast, you'll have a link in the in the description notes. You'll have a link to go check out this podcast and get a little deal on it. So very excited to offer that. Um... This was a fantastic conversation. He's super inspiring. Uh, You know, a lot of what I talk about is how do we get onto our destiny path? How do we get to living in our highest greatness as quickly as possible? Cutting through the bullshit. And this kid really took his debilitating anxiety and transformed it into his gift for the world. So it's an awesome one. Really, really a pleasure to have him on here. He's going to be, you're going to be seeing this kid all over the place at some point. So I was super stoked to get him in here so early. So that's that. You will definitely enjoy this one. Um, Before I send you off, if you're into, if you're down with the fun guy and you're looking to incorporate some fantastic medicinal mushrooms into your daily routine, head over to wake.net, use code EBBENFLOW, all one word, to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order of lion's mane, cordyceps, reishi, turkey tail, and comprehensive health mushroom blend. Great for your immune system, and this time we can use all the help we can get with that. Also great for stress relief. These are adaptogenic uh, substances, which means they help regulate your hormones and your stress levels, your nervous system, etc. So it's fantastic for keeping you in tip-top shape. Uh, Next is our brothers and sisters over at invadercoffee.com. Check them out for some of the best coffee in the world. It's organic, it's low acidity, it's air roasted, it's fantastic stuff. I look forward to it every day. I blend the coffee with the mushrooms for an absolutely magical kickoff to my day. So be sure to check that out. Use code the ebb and flow, 15% off your next order. All right, y'all. That's about it. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Be in your power, be in your strength. This is it. Everything's going to be all right. Let's just keep pushing forward. Let's keep standing in our truth. Keep spreading that love and compassion. And I'll see you all on the flip side. Enjoy. Peace.
You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. Very excited to be with you all today, this magnificent day we have before us. Got a fantastic guest, my brother, Max Gomez of the Breathwork app. It's great to have you, man. Thank you for having me, Evan. Yeah, man. Um, I feel really excited to have you here. Like I was saying, as we were sort of setting up here, um, you're such a young guy, you know? And it's, I'm super impressed and a little bit blown away by your conscious evolution that you've undergone to get to where you're at right now. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's important for this podcast and what we're about to talk about for you to give my listeners a little context of who you are and where you come from and how you got here. So I'm 24 right now, but I probably feel like I'm 35 (laughs) over the past year with uh, the way things have been going with business and the people I've been meeting and the experiences I've been having. Um, But born and raised in a small town in New Jersey, 4,000 people was the population. But surprisingly enough, my high school is also 4,000 people. So I kind of got like a college experience in high school. Um, But in high school, I always felt like a little bit different, like an outcast, like everyone in high school typically does um and it wasn't until later in college actually ended up going to usc to study neuroscience it's when i realized i actually had a few learning disabilities one adhd and the other one being dyslexia Mm. and it was the struggle with adhd and dyslexia that i thought that i couldn't go and pursue my dream of being a doctor so i actually gave up on that dream Mm. but luckily enough someone in one of my fraternities told me to go and check out entrepreneurship as a, a path forward and as a way of helping people because my biggest thing that I told this person was I just want to be able to impact as many lives as possible. And he was like, well, you can't do that being a doctor. <laughs> and I'm like, that, that's strange. Cause growing up, you think that's the one path forward, you know, being a doctor and helping people. Um, but I ended up taking a minor in entrepreneurship at USC and fell in love with the art and practice of building a business and also just building products too and designing products in general. And that, was so much fun for me and I never felt like so welcomed in a classroom before in my entire life. I went from feeling like an outcast in all my other classes and not being able to do math or not being able to read or pay attention. I was always doodling. But in these entrepreneurship classes, I was there, I was participating and I finally felt like I was doing something that was right for me. Um, And it was in these classes when I actually taught myself how to design products and how to design uh, brands and pitch decks and business plans. Um, and I fell in love with that process too, of just designing in general. And I always like the idea of designing your life. And that's always been kind of a motto for me is you could design your life and what you want it to be. And, you know, since I couldn't write in the best way possible because of my dyslexia and because of my learning impairments, 
I decided to design and that's how I could speak to the world. And I didn't understand that about myself until later on that that was my kind of way of expression was through design itself. Mm. I love that, dude. Yeah. Um, but you've dealt with anxiety. Yeah. As well. And that's sort of what, as at least from my understanding of conversations we've had, that's sort of what propelled you into this very specific exactly. spot that you found yourself in. Exactly. Yeah. Growing up, um, I experienced a lot of anxiety, a lot of bullying, um, a lot of fighting at home was what I was used to. Um, and that was manifesting physically and also mentally. And I wasn't aware of that at the time. And it wasn't until after graduating college when I went through this whole entire experience of losing a long-term relationship, losing a job and losing a close relative of mine who was like a mother figure to me. Um, when all this anxiety just really started to, to boil up and come out and it was debilitating. I spent almost an entire month in bed. I was 30 pounds underweight at the time. Mm. And I couldn't get a grip on my mind or my body. And, you know, at the point, I thought I was going crazy. I was like, what's wrong with me? Um, and then luckily, you know, through my insurance, I was able to reach out to a psychiatrist and a therapist. And obviously, they wanted to put me on medication at first. And I'm like, no. But my therapist was like, let's just try some other practices for this anxiety. Because, like, it's really bad right now. And you need to first learn how to manage this. And then you can start to manage everything else. And... It was like the third therapy session I had with him when I sat down on his couch and he taught me something so simple but so powerful that it's changed my life forever. And it was just breathing. Mm. And I remember he's like, let's just imagine that you have a balloon in your belly. You inhale for three for four seconds through your nose, inflate the balloon, and slowly exhale for six seconds, deflating the balloon. And we just did that three times. And within like 30 seconds, I'm like, whoa. I feel present, I mm. feel calm, I feel here for the first time in a while. And that was an amazing feeling because even though I was extremely anxious at that time to the degree I'd never been anxious before, it brought down the anxiety to the point where I've actually never felt that calm before in my mm. life. Um, so it was like almost like an addicting thing for me. It was like, holy crap, Like I could actually control my body and my mind for the first time instead of it, let it always controlling me. Um, so that was one thing I picked up in therapy and I really started to propel that forward and just use it as a practice and help me get out of bed in the morning, help me go to sleep at night and really help push my, push my life forward. Cause it was at that moment, you know, I really didn't have much going on for me. I, you know, didn't have any friends cause I was out of a long-term relationship. Um, my family was on the East coast and they weren't too supportive of me staying out in California without a job or without any kind of income coming in. Um, and it just felt so lost at that time, but just breathing and feeling grounded really helped me kind of get out of that state of being. Mm. God bless that therapist, man. Yeah. <laughs> Terry. Wow. Thank God. You know, uh, cause it, it could have, like you said, I mean the first, the initial, I don't know if it was the same person, but you know, the initial practice is to start prescribing medications. Yeah. And I think that prescribing medications up front is kind of a disservice to the power that we are. I think when yeah. you prescribe too quickly, you don't have the ability to explore alternative options and you just say, hey, I am this way forever and I cannot change. And I, I think that medications are important, but I don't think it should be the first route that we go down. Mm. I think there should be a path that gets us to medication if need be, if it can't be solved through other means first. Yeah. 
And I think in that case, we would find out that there are very few occasions where medication is necessary. Yeah. You know, because breath work, I mean, you just described the calm breath in your app. Mm-hmm. Four seconds in the nose, six seconds out the mouth. And I just did that before coming to bring you upstairs for three minutes. And I mean, I feel so serene. It's yeah. it's mind-blowing. You yeah. know, I've been a big fan of breath work uh, for the last five years. I mean, as an athlete, as a professional athlete, um, who really started my serious elite training at the age of 12, getting ready to play football with some of the best strength and conditioning coaches out there. I was always tapped into the connection between my breath and my movement Mm -hmm. and how breath could affect my physical and mental state. But it wasn't really until coming out of the NFL four years ago where I started getting into Wim Hof and learning about that and all of his techniques and then really just starting to incorporate it into my daily practice that I realized like the true power of tapping into your breath and the various techniques that you can employ to do various things, you know, get yourself ready for a workout or calm yourself down and get ready to go to bed or quiet your mind. You know, there's all different sorts of things we could do with our breath. Yeah. And it's really fascinating. If you look at all the other animals that are out there, no one has the ability to control their breath except for humans. Mm. It's 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 a part of the autonomic nervous system. So it's an automatic function that we don't usually control. And if we're not actively controlling it ourselves, it's being controlled through our mind and through our, you know, just our bodies automatically doing that. Mm. Um, so when you actually tap into your breath and manipulate it yourself, you're actually able to send a signal back to your autonomic nervous system, which is responsible for your heart rate, for your blood pressure, for your stress levels, for your adrenaline, for your cortisol, mm-hmm. all those things. So when you're actually doing a breathing exercise that sends a signal to your body that you're calm, it will actually go back to your brain and be like, hey, my body's calm. Right? Like I'm feeling in a calm state right now because my breathing's calm and the rest of your body follows suit with that. So that's why if you're ever doing in an anxious situation and do a calm breath, you're actually able to take yourself out of that situation by actually lowering your heart rate, lowering your blood pressure mm-hmm. and telling your body I'm okay by breathing like a calm person. Same thing if you're breathing like you're someone who's asleep. If you're breathing like someone who's in deep sleep, your body will say, hey, I'm tired, I'm ready to sleep, I'm in a safe place, I'm comfortable, and actually put yourself and induce yourself into a deep sleep. Mm. So powerful. Yeah. So you took, so you had had transitioned your path into entrepreneurship, you graduated college, you're dealing with anxiety, and, you know, all sorts of just uncertainty, Mm. sort of external chaos, you find yourself in therapy, your therapist teaches you this breath technique. And at what point did you go, I could make this accessible for more people, or I need to do this, or my life's purpose is right here in front of me? Yeah, I don't remember. Well, actually, I do remember the exact time because it was, I was getting up in the morning one day and it was like when I was actually starting to get out of bed in the morning. Like, uh-huh. This is how bad it was. I was, yeah. I was just in bed for so long. Mm. Um, and I just like started doing a breathing exercise and then go to the app store to see if anyone created a breathing app, just mm. as simple as that. And really to my surprise, there was 
nothing that was just a brand around breathing that talked about like Wim Hof or energizing breathing or sleep breathing or performance breathing. There was just a few apps here and there that had like a simple breathing exercise. And I'm like, wait a minute, like no one has put this together. There could be a calm or headspace of of breathing. Mm. Um, So that was kind of my initial spark of inspiration. And then I remember waking up the next day and like that thought didn't leave my mind that there was Mm. nothing out there. And then I go to this coffee shop in Santa Monica. <laughs> still, you know, still think about that coffee shop because that's actually where Breathwork was born. Yeah, dude, for and, sure. Um, in that coffee shop, uh, Metropolis in Santa Monica, um, I just sat down and obsessed over this idea and started to design what a Breathwork app would look like, how it would function, how it would speak to the user, and how it would be so simple that, you know, everyone from my late grandmother to a, a seven-year-old be able to use this application have no problem because breath is something so simple but something we take for granted because yeah. we don't know how to access it in the proper way mm. um so my biggest goal was to demysticize breath work to really just show the science behind it push that forward and then make it as easy to use as possible but also as beautiful to use as possible too so really creating this full encompassing experience to really hook people into it and understand the benefits of breathing and how it can really affect and change their lives so it literally was over the course of two weeks i went to this coffee shop from nine to six just non-stop amped up on coffee just putting this together with no end goal in mind but i just knew deep down this felt so right uh-huh. it was one of those ideas that i had and i've had many of other different business ideas before where these kind of didn't work out and got over it but it was one of those ideas i had where i felt like I didn't care of the outcome that was happening. I just wanted to put my all into it for this very moment that I had right here. Mm. And it was during this time, actually, I was working somewhere else and my boss was on vacation for two weeks. So that's why I took these two weeks to really focus in on this 100% of my time. So over that time, put together the prototype for the app, put together a pitch deck for the business, put together a website, an Instagram page. I just went all out on it. Started collecting signups for a potential fake app that I was creating. (laughs) And then um, at the end of two weeks was up. I'm like, all right, that was great. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I just recently watched something about the law of attraction. And I'm like, I'm just going to put this in the universe and maybe something will happen. And three days after I finished with the prototype and the pitch deck, one of my old friends who used to um, be friends with one of my old bosses invited me over to pitch ideas and meet one of her friends. And uh, I get to this uh, her house, and she's like, I show her the breathwork app. She's like, oh, that, that's cool. Like, you know, let's talk about some other ideas. Um, and then her friend, Addie, shows up. And I show Addie the, the, the app and the, and the pitch deck. And within like 45 seconds of meeting her, she said, do you want to partner with me on this? And I'm like, yep, this is it. This is my sign. I said yes right away. I did some research on Addie before meeting her. Addie has this amazing background scaling yes. and growing massive advertising companies in the past. But also just meeting her, I never felt so on the same wavelength as someone before, mm. um, just that quickly off the bat. Mm. She was just saying things that I could just like say myself, and it felt like just such a right person to partner with on, the, on, this, um, on this venture. And it was a huge risk for her, too, because she you know, just decided to the next thing in her life was to start a company with a dyslexic ADHD 23-year-old <laughs> you know, with zero connections but all the ambition in the world. Um, and you know, from that day forward, we incorporated the company like a week or two later, and then we launched it on the app store two months after that. And when we launched it on the app store, we just started to gain some traction immediately. And we're just so fortunate and lucky that that happened like that. And people started using it and sharing it. And 
it's kind of all blew up from there. It was cosmic, though, man. Because yeah. the app, you know, I don't really fuck around with apps. <laughs> I don't. And I'm, I'm hooked on it. Like, it's literally become my saving grace. Because it's, it's the one thing in my phone that I can pick up, turn on, and it adds value to my life. <laughs> it doesn't suck my energy away. Yeah. It actually gives me energy. And there's so little in technology that I can say that about. Yeah. Social media is a complete, and for the most part, just about everything else in this device, this little black mirror that we all carry around in our pockets, it's soul-sucking. It's energy-draining. Yeah. But you've created something that literally gives life and energy to people, man. Yeah. And it's beautifully done. It's just like it's I'm, I can't say enough about it, honestly. And it's really like it because it's something that I talk a lot about on this show, which is it takes a lot for people to clear away all the garbage in your mind and your spirit and your heart to get to your destiny path. Yeah. And to get to your purpose and your mission that you have in this life. And you, maybe out of necessity, maybe out of just, you know, your life experience, just who you are, man, it, like, it crystallized so quickly and you just hit it and you took it and you went with it, you know. And this is your, I mean, this this app is something that can change the world, dude. It can change how people relate to technology in general. Yeah. It's super exciting and, you know, technology should be a tool for us. It should be helping us propel us forward. Yeah. But, you know, as we see as the social dilemma and other shows come out exposing technology is that we're just, they're just paying for our attention. And with Breathwork, our mission is to empower people. So we want to empower people to feel powerful in their lives, mm -hmm. not to take away from their lives or to distract them. Yeah. That's why everything's just quick, easy. You come in, you get your response, you get your, you get, you know, it changes your physiology, changes your your mentality, and then you, you leave and you apply that to your life. Mm. We're not trying to be your life. We're trying to empower your life. And I think a lot of technology is trying to be your life, yeah. not empower your life or take mm. you to the next step. And I'm always the proponent of you have to kind of do the work yourself in order to get the outcome. Definitely. That's why I love how even the word breath work, it's like yeah. you're, you're doing it with breath, which is easy. It's just breathing, but you're putting the work into yeah. it in order to get to this outcome. And then once you learn how to do that, you become more self-reliant and more powerful. And then you feel empowered to do these things. So, you know, people use breath work before getting on stage and before speaking in front of a lot of people. Or they do it to go to sleep at night. Or mm -hmm. they do it to get energized in the morning. And they feel empowered with their day. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like anything's being sucked away from them by using it. And it makes me so happy to, to do that because I know personally like, I've definitely been stuck in, in habit loops or stuck in anxiety mm -hmm. or stuck in a mindset. And breathing was really one of the only things that can take me out of that. And then, you know, obviously, once you get that part of your body physically out of that, you can start to do the things like read or eat better or go and exercise um, and really start to change and empower your life that way, too. So well said, man. I'm so uh, I, I think you're so awesome. And I'm just really. I'm really inspired by you and your story, man, you know, because it's so it's like everything. It's that. <laughs> It's, it's, uh, you're a beacon of light, man, I appreciate in a that. world of darkness. Cause like you said, 
uh, most technology is trying to be your life and you just want your main goal. And it comes back to the intention behind everything, you know. Uh, I was having a really interesting conversation with one of my mentors and he was saying that the intention of Facebook was all about judgment and Mm. denial. Like it started out as this app to sort of like rate people. Mm. Yeah. And so that carries through in the essence of the technology. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it infects every bit of it. Every aspect of the, the interface is infused with that initial intention. Yeah. So when you're coming into, you're creating something with the intention of empowering people, you feel that when yeah. you use it, you know, and yeah. your work is a testament to that. Yeah. And it's also, I remember someone, one of our actually investors, Scooter Braun, who's a very successful mm. person himself, he asked us when we were first pitching the idea to him, he was like, how do you know when breathwork is successful? I told him like, what do you mean? We already are successful. We're already helping people. Like that's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the baseline to it. Like we're already putting something out there. It already feels successful. Like I don't, we don't need to have billions of people on the app. As long as we're helping a few people here and there, that is success. And then we just want to spread it as far as possible. And then that's like what the business answer everyone wants to hear next. Oh, like, totally. Yeah. We want to be in a billion different iPhones or, or phones across the world. Um, but the fact that we're helping people as a baseline is already success. Yeah. Like the idea was success in the beginning and everything else is just an addition to that. Mm. So it's with the way we build and the way we think through things is not out of a a place of needing to fulfill this monetary value. It's just, we're doing it out of the, we're actually providing value and like, how can we provide the most value to everyone with everything we do? And that's the way we view growing and, and building the product. And even when, you know, competition tries to do very similar products to us, we accept that because we just believe that bringing breath to the world is the best thing we can do. Mm. It's almost like the idea that Elon Musk has with letting his patents for electric cars be open because it propels people to using more green energy. Mm. Um, like he's like, yeah, you compete with my my brand, but you can't be my brand. Uh-huh. You could you could take all the products and do that, but you can't do that. So I'm worried about hey, number one, my first thing is pushing breath work out there so as many people as possible know how to breathe properly and how to empower their lives with breathing. Mm. And then B, build a brand that I love and I create that a lot of people can relate to and and, and come to and find remedy in. Um, And that's what I'm focused on. Yeah, dude. It's awesome, man. I love that. Uh, Well, I think anxiety, mental health issues, it's such a, a, it's a super prevalent issue right now. Yeah. In America and the world. And I think... More young people right now are on various anti-anxiety medications, antidepressants than ever before. And, you know, it's really these types of tools are so necessary to get us out of that, to get us into a more functional, a healthier path yeah. than that. Because honestly, man, you know, I... I, like we were talking about before, I've had a lifetime dealing with anxiety and depression. Mental health issues are really the crux of my family's disorders. You know, we're very lucky. Mm -hmm. We're super healthy, super resilient people. Like there's no heart disease, there's no cancer, but mental health, alcoholism, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, like this is where we (laughs) thrive. You know what I mean? So, um... With that, the gift of that, and I was saying earlier how, 
you really were able to spin your anxiety and your dyslexia and your ADHD into this gift, you know, because it propelled you into creating this thing that's, that is going to have such a profound impact on humanity. Um, you know, and I think I've looked at my anxiety and my depression as really a gift in my life because it's propelled me into getting a deeper understanding of myself and utilizing learning about tools like meditation and breath work and being really in tune with the foods I'm eating and how they affect me, my mental and physical well-being. Um, and so anxiety is such a, you know, anxiety and mental health issues, they can be so debilitating. You know, and being able to find ways to get yourself out of it. Like I kind of talk about um, when I'm talking, when I'm thinking about or when I'm talking about to someone about my anxiety attacks. It's like my mind gets on this, this rail of thought, this train of thought starts mm -hmm. to take off. And what I have to do sort of in the, the martial arts of, of my mental practices, I have to figure, I have to find ways to sort of derail that train of thought and get onto a new path. So breath work is super effective on that. Getting into exercise or moving my body is always really an effective way to, to derail an anxiety attack. Because sometimes it gets out of control and you can't, you know, it's like, you have to actively do something to get yourself out of that yeah. pathway. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about the reason we have anxiety, there's, you know, an evolutionary benefit to having anxiety. Mm. It's to get you up and to do something. It's to go and to fight the bear. It's to go into, right. you know, find food and go and to do all these things. And nowadays, we don't have these common struggles of using our bodies like we did in the past. So now we're just left with, all, we're just dumped with all this anxiety. <laughs> And we're sitting in our, you know, comfortable air-conditioned homes getting uh, Uber Eats to our house and then seeing all these other people online on Facebook and Instagram living these crazy lives that it's hard to obtain. Um, and then, like, we feel a huge disconnect with who we are, with our purpose, and then our anxiety manifests from a what evolutionary used to be going after food and, and finding stuff to now feeling we don't fit in society anymore. Mm. And that kind of pushes our anxiety further and further. Um, and then since because we have anxiety, it kind of builds up on top of itself. So breaking the cycle of anxiety and understanding how to cope with it when it comes up and like how to do exercises or how to, you know, get out of your mind when that comes up is important. And also learning how to accept your anxiety and accept things for the way they are. Um, and then use that as a force and a focus point to what you can push you forward. So with me personally, like I have all this anxiety that I realized will probably never go away. Yeah. Um, I could calm it down, but I could also need to find a way to focus it. Mm. And I find a way to focus it in just doing my work and studying philosophy, psychology and, and just designing. Like that's where I push all my anxiety into, um, to the point where it's just so comforting when I do it. And if I'm not actually doing the stuff that feels right for me, I feel a disconnect and my anxiety goes up again. Mm, yeah. So my best remedy for anxiety is just doing this work that feels right for me. And mm. feels like I should be doing this. And I think a lot of people also have anxiety these days because they're not working on what they truly want to work on. Yeah. And it doesn't feel fulfilling to them yeah. with what they want to work on. Too. That really resonates with me, man. Especially now, um, you know, in this crazy time. I definitely feel that. Like my anxiety is at bay when I'm doing 
the things, the work that really fills my heart with joy. And my anxiety spikes when I'm not doing that, you know? Yeah. And like you said, this is so true because now I've been meditating for five years every day. I meditate at least 30 minutes. And the truth of the matter is like people may, people who deal with anxiety or deal with depression or deal with any other mental health issue, these things never go away, Yeah, you know? And you can listen to the spiritual gurus like, you know, Ram Das, for instance. He's one of my favorites because he's so, he brings everything down to a very accessible and understandable level. Do you know much about Ram Das? I've heard about him, but not too much. So his name is uh, Richard Alpert, Dr. Richard Alpert. He was a super prolific psychology professor in the 60s, and he was at Harvard with Timothy Leary. Mm -hmm. And they were doing all sorts of experiments with LSD and psilocybin and all kinds of psychedelics, et cetera. Um, And anyway, he he ended up, that ended up propelling him onto the spiritual path where he really got into meditation and he started to figure out like, what is life all about? Like that was kind of his whole thing, his whole life. Mm -hmm. Like finding someone who quote unquote knows. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, he talks about how he got to a point where all of his little idiosyncrasies, all of his demons, he became friends with them, like his anger, his, you know, shame, his anxiety, his depression. And he became such good friends with them that they started to appear to him like little children. And they were like his little friends that mm-hmm. he would greet when they came into his being, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really what I found in my meditation practice is like anger is a big one for me. You know, it's sort of like from the time I was a child, like anger is a, the fire of anger and rage is what propelled me to get to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it's rooted in my childhood and in the trauma of my childhood, and it was part of the thing that helped me propel myself out into manhood and into success and into escaping that. Mm-hmm. But it's still here, mm-hmm. you know, and it manifests in different ways, you know, and things, especially now, because I have, you know, combining that with, I have a deep repulsion of authority figures, you know, and I hate <laughs> that. I hate people trying to tell me how to live or how to be. Mm-hmm. And so that triggers a lot of rage and anger in me. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to surrender to this truth that my anger is never going anywhere, I have to become friends with it. And I have to learn how to acknowledge it, accept it, and not act or react out of it or from it. You know, and it's the same with anxiety. Yeah. Because I could just be sitting there with my wife watching television, and all of a sudden I start to disassociate and i'm like spinning off into the cosmos starting to feel this anxiety attack like there's something wrong in my body and something's gonna go wrong and i'm fucked i'm i I, you know my breathing gets into my chest and i all of a sudden i'm in an anxiety attack Mm -hmm. and my palms are sweaty and i have to take the next 10 to 15 minutes to like get myself back and i'm like wow eb you spend so much time meditating 
and so much time doing breath work and so much time yeah. working on myself. And yet these things still come, yeah. you know? So it's like, how do we get to a place where a big thing for me is, you know, we spend so much time denying ourselves yeah. feelings and denying ourselves emotions and acknowledging where we're at. So it's like a big thing for me is to just see the thing coming. And this has been developed through my meditation practice. See it, acknowledge it, let it be there. Let's start with that. Yeah. Maybe it's really uncomfortable. But you know what, man? Life isn't really supposed to be comfortable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, we, we know that for a fact now because we have all the comforts. We live right. the, we live we currently live the lives that billionaires lived a hundred years ago. Dude. Probably even thirty years ago. I've said that. I was like, we, had, we live like emperors and yeah. kings now. Think about it. We have LinkedIn to talk to anyone for about business. We have Uber Eats for a servant to come bring stuff to their door. We have we have drivers that take us everywhere. We have flights to wherever in the world that are cheap. We have access to everything we yes. possibly can and we live like kings and we're still not happy um it just we need to learn to live with ourselves and and externally like those things aren't gonna fix our internal problems and it's oh all about God. acceptance you know it's all about accepting who you are and the more you accept who you are and the way things are just the better life gets it gets so much easier and so much lighter like i'm gonna accept that i am not perfect and i'll never be able to do x y and z but because i accepted that it makes it so much easier because i don't have to worry about that i don't carry that with me but like when, when anxiety does come up, I accept that it's here and I have to see it and deal with mm. it because the more you ignore it, the worse it gets. Yes. And I view anxiety as something that's like, okay, so when anxiety rises up for me, it's like, do I want to focus on this right now or do I want to slowly push this anxiety out for a longer, longer period mm. of time? And it, it's just always there. I'd rather just focus on it right away. And I think what most people do is when anxiety comes up, it's so, it's, it's so uncomfortable. They'd rather take a little bit of anxiety over a lot of bit of time instead of just, okay, I'm going to fully feel this right now, understand it, and then I'll work through it and I'll let it go. Mm -hmm. But most people let it build up and then they just keep it there and mm -hmm. they keep it at this level instead of fully going through it and accepting it. Um, they build resistance to it and the resistance just elongates the process. Because I think, I mean, life is, is always suffering. Um, it's mm -hmm. like, do you want to suffer a lot of bit over a little bit of time and face your fears and face your anxieties and face yourself? Or do you want to suffer for a little bit over a lot of bit of time? And it's just a choice we have to make because either way, you still have to go through that struggle. Mm. Um, and I try to, whenever anxiety comes, I try to face it right away. I try to understand myself, why it's there. And if I can't even understand that, I just accept it, just breathe through it and, yeah. and get through it and get to, the, get to the next thing. Dude, so well said, Max. I mean... That one, your line is maybe the, the, the most epic line I've ever heard doing a podcast is we need to learn to live with ourselves, yeah. you know, that's, it's so, it's profound, man, but that's really where we're at, Yeah, you know, and I think people have a really difficult time surrendering to that because we want things to be super complicated. We want to pretend like, you know, the grizzly bear is outside waiting to kill us. <laughs> You know, yeah, like no one's really willing to just go, life is good. Let me just deal with who I am. Yeah. Because that's really the gift of modern civilization. We, we have attained, I mean, many of us, of, of course, of course, there are so many people living in poverty and who don't know when their next meal will be or don't have clean drinking water, you know. 
billions of people on this planet still have to deal with that. Yeah. But for most of us in America in particular, we have literally everything at our fingertips. And it's time that we really start acknowledging ourselves yeah. and who we are, man. Because I think that's so true. And the thing is, I mean, this is interesting to me because I've really been on a, I've really been contemplating fear. Because mm-hmm. I've had a lot of fear come up over the last few months, you know, through this thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, fear is a really interesting thing. And I guess fear and anxiety are linked. Anxiety is sort of like the messenger of fear in a way. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the little uh, mail carrier of fear. Um, because I guess at the end of the day, anxiety arises f- through your nervous system as a response to thinking you're going to die. Yeah. In one way or another. In response to the unknown. <laughs> right. Uncertainty. And, yes. Keeping people in suspense is one sure way to create anxiety. Yes. Um, and I have this quote on my arm, tattooed on my arm. It's a Robert Louis Stevenson quote. You know Robert Louis Stevenson? He wrote um, Kidnapped, and uh, he wrote uh, Blackbeard, and uh, the original like Pirates of the Caribbean stories. It was Robert, a very adventure-driven literary juggernaut. Um, and he wrote this quote, he talks, he says, keep your fears to yourself, but share your courage with others. You will do wondrous things and inspire all who meet you. Mm. And I got this quote tattooed on me when I was probably like 19, cause I'd hear my dad say it all the time and it su- sounded super heroic to me. Yeah. Um, and I always liked it, but lately I've really been contemplating it because I'm on this, I'm on this journey of self-expression. And self-mastery. And I believe that we have to express ourselves in order to evolve our emotional and psychological body. Mm. But, so then how does fear fit into that? And then in this quote, which I think is so true, keep your fears to yourself, but share your courage with others. Why do we want to keep our fears to ourselves? I started thinking about it and contemplating it and... I had this realization that when you share your fear with someone who is not experiencing that same sensation, you are met with dismissal and possibly ridicule, Mm. which does nothing for you as far as getting you out of that fear cycle, right? You're just more isolated. You become more entrapped in your own sort of fear fantasy. Yeah. And beyond that, you also run the risk of infecting the person you're talking to exactly. with the fear virus. Exactly. Okay, so that's one side of the coin. Then the other side of the coin is, what if you share your fears or you express your fears to someone who shares that same viewpoint as you? Now, you're validating a non-existent situation, future, circumstance. Yeah. Right? So that doesn't do you any good either because now you're validating something that isn't real yet yeah, or may never be real, you know? So it's like, okay, there, we have that, right? So it's like, 
keeping your fears to yourself may actually be the best road to go because if you express them to people, there's no real good outcome. There's no productive outcome. Yeah, it just reinforces the idea of that fear. Yeah. And then, you know, then gives it to someone else too at the same time. Exactly. Fear is, is one of those emotions that adds up on top of each other. Same with anger. Mm. Two people are angry at each other. One, per, one person's anger feeds off the other person's anger and it gets worse and worse and it boils up to rage and it boils up to sometimes violence. Mm. But other emotions, it's really fascinating. Um, yeah. Someone in my company the other day was bringing this, this point up. Other emotions like happiness doesn't really build off each other the way that anger can. Uh-huh. If I'm extremely happy and someone's having a bad day, they won't have a great day because of my happiness. It might help them a little bit, right. but they're not going to be ecstatic if I'm ecstatic. If someone's raging and, and angry, like they're going to get angry too and just go back and forth and... It's, it's crazy that some of these emotions with other people build on top of each other. And there's probably some evolutionary reason why we have anger because it's a way to relate with other people yeah. in, in, a, in a way to get yeah. them on our side of things, get them believing the same things we uh-huh. believe in. But if we're not objective with why we have the anger, then we're just using it for no good cause at all. Yes. This is really interesting, dude. I think we're really tapping into something here, Max. Uh, because so then it becomes... So why do we feel that then? Fear, obviously, there's a primal need yeah. to feel fear. The primal sensation of fear, being in the jungle, having a fear uh, reaction or impulse because of the tiger in the jungle. Yeah. Very necessary to keep us alive and help us avoid death. Right? Uh, or in a primitive tribal situation you know, having fear of an opposing tribe. Yeah. They might come to kill you or whatever, take your food sources away, etc. But so then in modern civilization where we have all of our survival needs abundantly met, we've got plenty of food, plenty of water, we're safe. Yeah. You know, we've got our loved ones around us or available at the touch of a button or a phone call. So then fear is really this sort of very individualized messenger that can help you learn about who you are Mm -hmm. and where you're at. As long as you are not taking that fear and reacting out of it, fear is something that really is, I think it's meant to be kept personal because it's one of your teachers. Mm. It can be one of our teachers of who we are, how we function, where our edges are, the edges of ourselves, the edges of our belief system. Um, And it can be used to grow and expand and evolve ourselves. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think it's true. Um, I think one important thing with fear is actually doing things that do cause Uh fear within you. Yeah. Um, if we let fear run our lives, we live a very sheltered life and it actually gets harder over time because if you're afraid to go outside, then one day when you actually have to go outside, it's going to be terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of like where we're at right now with a lot of people, since we live such comfortable lives, when something is a little bit out of place, it's still a lot of fear in us. And it's even harder than it would be if we were more experienced with fear. Um, yeah, I mean, I think fear is something that we should you know, keep within ourselves because why instill fear in other people around you? It doesn't really cause any good, um, especially if you think about it in terms of leadership too. If you're a leader and you're doing something yes. that's really tough and you're afraid and 
if your whole entire company sees that you're afraid in that, they're going to start to not do their best work. But as a leader, if you show that you're not afraid and, and you instill confidence and you say, this is the right path, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, you don't have to share that fear with them because mm. you don't want to make other people scared. It just mm -hmm. makes people not feel good. Yeah. Um, so it, it is important to, to almost hide your fear, but also there is importance to vulnerability sometimes. Definitely. Um, being vulnerable. Definitely. So being vulnerable is expression is expressing kind of like what's going on internally. Yeah. But being fearful is instilling what's going internally to someone else. So they feel it with you. Uh -huh. So being, when you're acting out of fear, you're trying to get other people to join your side. So fear is, yes. is in, a, in a way of you trying to get empathy towards yourself. Um, but being vulnerable is a way of saying, this is what's happening with me. I don't expect it to be happening with you, but this is how I am right now. Mm. And vulnerability is important for other people to understand you. Yes. But fear is just, you know, can cause so many problems. That's so, that's such an important delineation, man. Because you're right. I'm all about vulnerability. You know, you have to be vulnerable. We have to be, that's a super, I think for men in particular, because women have vulnerability down, mm -hmm. men don't really. <laughs> we have to sort of, we have to cultivate and learn how to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, because it's super important. And I, I think that is, that's a very, I love that distinction, man. Because it's really important in this conversation, you know, because I don't think that's what uh, Robert Louis Stevenson is talking about. You know, I think he's really, I don't think he's saying we shouldn't be vulnerable in that. Um, I think he is really referring to what you're saying, the fear virus and not spreading the fear virus, you know, and how it's, and I think simultaneously he is acknowledging the uselessness of discussing your fears or expressing your fears. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's really interesting, man. You know, it's really interesting. And also on that note of leadership, I've had this thing lately where, well, really it occurred to me big time through this coronavirus situation, but you know, great leaders never lead through fear. Yeah. They never dictate how to do things based on fear. Yeah. It's always through empowerment. It's providing the tools to whoever the followers are or the people in the group to empower them to be in their highest greatness, not to act out of a place of fear. Yeah. And that's been a big issue for me through this whole thing. You know, whether it's our government people or it's media in particular, it's all using fear as the mechanism by which to control people and to get people to do things. Yeah. And I have a real problem with that because that's not like we're talking about here. It's just, it's not an empowering path to go down, yeah. you know, and fear at the end of the day, like you said, fear will isolate you. Fear will keep you from living your best life. It clouds objectivity too. Yes. When you're feel fearful, you can't see things for what they actually are. Yes. Yeah. It's super important. Uh, you know, that was, it's so funny you say that. Um, Cause I was actually, I was a, I was talking to my therapist about fear this past weekend. And I was saying how, when I'm really in 
because I had this experience last week of really experiencing my deepest darkness, Mm -hmm. which is when my anger and fear meet up. Mm. And that's like my pitch black darkness. My shadow self is really lives in that world where uh, at the crossroads of anger and fear, because it's like the fear of the unknown meets with the fire of my rage and like the warrior comes out and it's just like death and destruction is the only way forward and it's like i get really freaked out um and i'm sort of blinded by it you know i was saying that i used that word to my therapist i was like i get blinded by my fear i'm like blind and i was watching one of the best things i saw in shark week this year was will smith (laughs) did you see this i didn't know will smith had uh intense fear of open water and so this shark week episode was all about him scuba diving and sort of his evolution of getting into open water facing his fear and then eventually getting into a scuba diving shark encounter event you know and he was saying how fear blinds you from seeing the beauty of the world Mm. Man, it's so fucking true. Yeah. You can't live with your eye. You can't even see what's going on around you if you're in fear. Yeah. Well, if you think about like our brains and the way it's constructed, the centers of our brains is more where it has the prehistoric kind of and reptilian brain, which is more mm. based on fear and based on instinct. Yeah. But then as we built out our, our prefrontal cortex or neocortex, like we had more ob- objectivity in our viewpoint of the world because of that. But what happens is fear takes away from us being able to use and access the rest of our advanced brains to objectively mm. view things and to appreciate things and to see them for what they are and puts us in this fear center. So it, it actually is kind of, in a way, blinding to yeah. objectivity because your brain just automatically goes to what's more instinctual because what's more instinctual is what keeps you alive. And mm. that's more important than thinking objectively about a situation. Mm. So if we're overactivating our fear, our fear centers in a society when you don't need to be fearful, then like we're just, you know, wasting all the amazing things that we've built and, and the comforts that we have right now by yeah. acting in that state of being. Yes. I think something you said earlier um, is so key and you just hit, hit on it again here, but being objective is such a great way to go through life. You know, being able to be, find more objectivity in your view of the world is so key, you know, because we get so blinded. And so we're, most of us are looking through a hole at the world. That's like that big. It's like a pinhole, you know, and our perspective is so small Yeah, because of fear, because of our belief systems, because of, you know, whatever it might be, where we come from, our background, etc our education, our experience. But if you can learn to live with a more objective view of things, you just have such a clearer view of the world. Yeah, there's this one quote in a book that really helped instill the idea of striving for objectivity. And it was, if you're right 51% of the time, then you could go to Wall Street and make millions and millions and billions of dollars every single day. But we're not right 51% of the time. We're not even right close to 50% of the time. We're probably right 25% of the time. So why would you ever assume that you're right 51% of the time or even half the time? Wow. And like most people think they're right 90% of the time. Yeah. And I always err in the side of caution. Okay, if I was, if I, 
if I was just 51% of the time, which means that for every 100 tries, one time I'll get it, I'll, like, I'll get it, I'll get it right. Um, then I could do every single thing I want to in my entire mm. life. Um, and then I get everything right. And then I could make so much money in Wall Street or something. But the fact that we're not, and no one has ever done that because no one's ever been right more than 51% of the time, means that I need to actually look for other answers that aren't inside of me. Mm. And I have to ask questions. And I think it's all about asking better questions for people around you um, than it is to make better assumptions. Because assumptions are, are based off that that ignorance that we have within ourselves uh. and like when you actually ask questions you strive for objectivity to understand another perspective to understand someone else's expertise and that's how we kind of reach objectivity but it's so hard because so many people have so much resistance to being objective because it hurts to be wrong uh-huh. people would rather hold on to the wrongs than to be right and i continue to practice this every day is to i always always strive for objectivity and one person in my life who's a huge inspiration for objectivity is my co-founder. Mm. She is one of the most level-headed people I've ever met to the point where it just blows my mind. Like she can view Addie, Addie yes. Yeah. Addie can view things so objectively to the point where it, it, it blows my mind. And I trust her so much because of that. And she helps instill that within me. And that's a practice I want to continue to do. And I want to continue to spread to other people is that, hey, like it's okay to be wrong. Like, let's actually strive to be wrong so we know what we did wrong. And then once we know what we did wrong, we could try to be right. Mm. Um, and then her whole thing is letting data kind of decide things. Mm. So her mentality really for objectivity came around using data to make decisions for things in advertising. So what she used to do is invite a bunch of like top creative advertisers and mm. then give them a bunch of um, ads and say which ad ran the best. And most of the time, the best advertisers in the world wouldn't be able to tell you which ad ran the best. Um, mm. But the data would tell you that this ad ran the best. And that's why she always says, like, you should always strive for the data, always strive for objectivity. So we, we can't assume that we know everything. And even the people who think they know everything still don't know everything. Um, so it's, it's such a, an amazing thing to instill. And life gets easier to navigate when you just assume that you could be wrong. Yeah. And you're not afraid to be wrong. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that is the core yogic principle that I know nothing. Yeah. Every yogi, all the yogis, yogic sutras, they all come back to that. That is the pearl essence of yoga philosophy is I know nothing. Yeah. You know, and it's such a, it's such a liberating place to be because you're not inhibited by your need to be right. Or your righteousness or your, you know, and like you said, I I think people, especially in this day and age, you know, and there's so much written about this and it's, and for good reason, because, you know, like we've been talking about it, when you've taken away all of the external obstacles in the world, humans are just left with their feelings and their (laughs) sensations, you know, so being wrong is a literal phys- it's a visceral experience of you know injury yeah it, it can feel like you're being injured or mm-hmm. like you've been hit with a bat or you've been stabbed in the gut it's so true you know it's so true and people are really adverse to being uncomfortable like you know how we even kind of started this this talk about being unable to face your anxiety yeah you know just being able to I mean, how crazy is it that we've gotten to this place where 
It's a revolutionarily healing act to just be able to feel your feelings. Yeah. Like, whoa, dude. Whoa. They're just feelings. Yeah. You know? Like, you're not going to die. Yeah. I mean, that's easier said than done. It is. And it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of work, like you said, you know? Yeah. It's like breath work, man. <laughs> Um, dude, I mean, so I want to ask you what in particular I'm interested in, uh, what's your regimen like every day? Do you have a regimen? Do you do breathing exercises? Do you meditate? Um, if you do, when you do breathing exercises, is there a particular one you like the best? Is there one you recommend in particular for people who really are, suffer from anxiety? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really interested in that, man. Because I meditate. I do breath work every single day. Mm -hmm. And now your app, I'm fucking on there, dude. Like, <laughs> I want to be the top breather on the yeah, fucking app. The, 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 uh, yeah, the leaderboard's pretty tough to get you on know? these days. I'm, on, I'm like number six for the monthly. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, but there's a guy, Kinesiolog, who's got like 12,000 breaths. I, I think that's a part of like a, um, like a, a center, group. A group. Where that's they what I thought. Their patients. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, we're going to reach out to them to understand what's going on. There. Yeah, dude. Because I'm like, that's un, I can't even touch that. I've yeah. got to start breathing 10,000 breaths a day to, get, to catch up with those guys. But, um, you know, in the mornings, I love the Energize 2.0. Of course, yeah. Because that really, um, I've been doing Wim Hof breathing mm -hmm. but that doing the energize 2.0 through the app has really uh just structured it more for me yeah especially with the breath holds out and then breathing in and holding that um super challenging but i mean you do three sets of that and i come out and i can see the air sparkling yeah, you, you know you're, what i mean you're tingling yeah yeah i you, feel your, amazing your mind's calm i think one of the coolest things about the energizing breath is that it teaches you how to have it overly energized body with a calm and still mind mm -hmm. and what the more you could practice that the more you can instill that for the rest of your day too yeah it's, that's what i love about that exercise yeah it's awesome dude but, i love the bliss breath mm, the four quick with the two long mm -hmm. i love that breath the calm is a great breath um and i've just been like playing with it it's so fun you know and yeah. and feeling the experience of what various breathing techniques and exercises do for your mind and body. Yeah. It's amazing, dude. It's so easy to apply throughout your day. And I think about, I mean, my morning regimen is, is it, it's different. It, it, mm. Every single month is probably something different. Like the last month I was waking up and doing Energize 2.0 and, and hopping in the ocean after. Nice. And then now I'm waking up and doing calming because the more things are more anxiety inducing in uh -huh. my day um those past couple of weeks so i'm waking up and doing calming exercises but my biggest thing is just to to get up to get moving and to get breathing as quick as possible i love because that the more you stay in bed the more the anxiety comes the more the thoughts come and when you're not in your body and not connected to your body you your mind just over overruns everything mm. and i know if, if i get up and if i get up move breathe and read then I'm going to be good. But if I stay there and open my phone, I'm fucked. Fuck. Yeah. I am so fucked. The rest of my day is fucked because of that. Yeah. And it's so hard because my phone's such an addiction. And also, since I have so much work uh -huh. on my phone, 
I need to like respond to stuff in the morning. Yeah. So I get into it and then I get in the habit of checking too many emails and then, yeah. you know, analytics and reports and it's, it's just downhill yeah. from there. And <laughs> totally, what, 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 I, what I try to do is set aside time in the morning where I'm completely disconnected and I could just get up, move, breathe and read. And, and that's really kind of what gets me going in the morning. And then that's the your foundation. My foundation. And yeah. for the rest of my day, I just kind of use what I, yeah, I use, like the app and use the exercise when I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have trouble falling asleep, but that's a yeah. huge, extremely important exercise for a lot of people and people do it nightly. Yeah. I'm more wake up in the morning, energize, or it's calm, even calm in the morning can still get me up in the morning. Yeah. Um, and then focus throughout the day. Mm. Alternative nostril breathing. Um, mm. cause that's a really fun one too, because you really feel that one. Like when you yeah. start doing alternative nostril breathing, you feel more focused. Yes. Um, and that helps with my ADHD and whenever yeah. I want to get prepped for something. Um, but I'm still, you know, discovering and learning breath work myself. Like I'm still novel to it. Like I, you know, my experience with breath work only goes back two years. So as I'm learning and I'm evolving my practice, I'm also trying to evolve the, the app practice and then learn what else is out there, what other people are practicing. So I love hearing stories of how other people use it too. And then we start to show other people, hey, this is a routine you can do. You could do energize at 4 a.m., 2 a.m., X, Y, and Z, and this is how you could feel this way. Or you could, you know, breathe like Eben and, and do his exercises throughout uh-huh. the day. Like he wakes up with this energize and this calm and then this focus and this X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So there's there's no right or wrong way to do it, but it's about figuring out like how to how like what works for you. Um, yeah. So my routine is pretty, you know, pretty uh, based on what's what I'm going through at the time. Yeah. But my biggest thing is just just get up and get out of bed because yes. you know, I think back to those days when I was, when I was in my bed and, and didn't get up and like, that yeah. was it. Like I, I consider a day <laughs> oh, successful yeah. if I get out of bed now. Mm. Um, I mean, when you, when you face like your worst and darkest days, just yeah, getting up in the morning is just all you need. Um, and that's kind of the, the way I, I view life and I, I view work now is just, just get up and, and get going and just try your best. Um, I love that. That's all man. you can do is, yeah. just, is just try your best and, it's funny because I mean, as I'm as I'm 24, I'm in meetings. I'm now managing a full team of full time employees who are, you know, I'm probably youngest in my company by 10 years, um, minimum. <laughs> and I and and I there's days where like I still you know feel incompetent not what I'm doing. I could just all I do is just try my best. Uh-huh. And it was funny the other time we were in a meeting and we're talking about some complex things, and I'm like, yeah, you, you like uh, I appreciate we do this. And I was explaining to someone like. Um, you know, how these should grow into the role in X, Y, Z. And then I explained about my role. I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying my best. And everyone just started laughing. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> totally, I'm, dude. Explain like roles and responsibilities. I'm like, I'm like, I am just trying my best over here. <laughs> and like, that's all you can do. Dude, that's why you're so successful, man. You're going to always be successful, you know, because that is so key. If everybody just did that, just do your best, you know, yeah. just do your best. Um, but I think what you said is so key, man, because that's super, it's, it's fundamental for me. I'm up every morning at 6 a.m., give or take 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like some days I'm up at like 5.30, 5.40. Some days I, you know, I'm in bed until like 6.20, 6.30. And laying in bed does nothing good for you, yeah. first of all. Second of all, figure out what works for you. I love what you said. Get moving, get breathing, get reading. Uh, and something I do that is super helpful, because if I look at my phone mm-hmm. before 9 a.m., my f- I'm fucked. Yeah. I'm f- totally fucked. So I keep my phone on airplane mode until about 
10 o'clock and really don't even start getting into emails and social media shit until after 10 a.m. But really, I mean, I get up at 6 a.m. I go, I let my dogs outside. I go out and join them. I get my stretching in, do my breath work. I come back inside, do my 30 minutes of meditation. And by that time, my daughter and my wife are starting to get up. Mm -hmm. So I'm like tidying up the house, sort of preparing for everybody to start their day. Uh, But I think that is so key. Whatever it is you do, make it work for you. Yeah. You know, and figure out what you need to do. Everyone's different. Yeah. There's there's no cookie cutter path to everything. But I think there are some, like, don't look at your phone. Look at your phone. Check check in with yourself before you check your phone. Yes. Check yourself before you check. Like, that's one Mm -hmm. thing that I think everyone would just benefit from. Yeah. We wake up and then boom, we're just back in this endless cycle of yeah. searching and, and looking and needing and just, uh, just analyzing uh, and figuring out comparison and, and everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's, it's too much. Yeah, dude, it's way too much. Check in with yourself, set the foundation, set your emotional and energy body in the right direction for the day. And uh, then you can get to the rest of the world. You yeah. know, I think that's so key. Well, what's next, man? What's going on? What are your what's your vision for breathwork? Yeah. I mean, maybe you've already said it and I mean, I think the most important thing is what you said. It's already successful because you've helped you've already helped a, a few people. Yeah. You know, now you've helped a lot more than a few, but just the fact that you've been able to help people and empower others and their lives it's already success. But what what is the grand vision for your company? Yeah, I mean, I think breathwork can almost be everywhere. Yeah. My grand vision with breathwork is seeing people on Wall Street doing breathing exercises before meetings or to calm down, seeing uh, kids in classrooms doing breathing exercises, seeing old people doing breathing ex- like seeing people around the world doing breathing exercises. And whether that comes through breathwork, great. But if not, that's also great. So just pushing it out there as far as possible and just showing people this can help is a tool to help empower your life something that you don't need to consume anything. You don't even need to down, you don't even need to buy our app. You could just, you know, do it without it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so just people first of all understanding that and pushing that as much as possible and having breathwork be everywhere. It's so easy to have a breathing exercise as a commercial or have a breathing exercise as a sound yes. or a reminder or just kind of a, a click. We met Gary V early on this year and mm-hmm. he told us he's like auditory branding is really cool. He's like, you guys should have just a clicking noise and a breathing noise so people know to take a big, deep breath when they hear that. Mm. And they also know that's breath work too. Yeah. And I'm like, that's really cool. So yeah. like buying one second sound clips on podcasts or in different auditory places so people yes. just remember, hey, take a deep breath. Because most of the time, even like right now, like I forgot to breathe for a second there. So I was holding <laughs> my breath and not breathing with my belly. So yeah. hearing a, like a, a reminder, just a cue to get people breathing better is definitely where I see us too. And then one big thing with breath work is that when you do these exercises, you have a physiological reaction on your body. So mm-hmm. your your skin conductivity is changing, your your uh, heartbeat's changing, your heart irritability is changing, um, and these are measurable too with wearables. So one area that I'm super excited about, and, and my co-founder Addy is also super excited about too, is integrating wearables into your breathing practice. So so you could see biofeedback as you're going through it. But then so over time, we can use machine learning to figure out what best exercises are best for you at different times throughout the day. So we could start to understand 
hey, Eben does really well with energize in the morning, but he doesn't do well with this in the morning. We'll, mm. we'll serve him this exercise. Hey, it is better when the energizing breaths are instead of two second in, two second out, they're 1.5 in, 1.5 out. And mm. that's where he does it. So that's kind of where we're trying to evolve the company into next is being this whole biofeedback loop of how to use breath and how it better serves you. And it's also customizable, customizable to the user. And then some other things we think about too is like how do we build products? So like stuff that's physically there that helps remind you and cue you to breathe. So we have some ideas for a breathing light that changes colors in the morning. Could be an alarm clock so you don't have to mm. open your phone in the morning. Um, and then we also have like different kinds of other products that can't describe yet because they're still in the works. Um, <laughs> but our biggest thing is creating the full encompassing experience of breath. So right now on the app, it's auditory, it's visual, and it's vibrational. And even everything down to the vibrational cues, like they're based off different vibrational frequencies that have been studied to help induce a certain state of being. Um, so we try to like do everything that encompasses this entire experience. So like when you're fully in it, when you're fully doing the breath, you're just surrounded by it and you're engulfed by that and you're in that moment. And then you go do that and then you go and move on with your life. Mm. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. Just put it everywhere because Love it is it. everywhere. We're, everyone's already breathing. Why not learn how to breathe right? Totally, man. Absolutely. It's this, uh, it's really the fundamental technology yeah. that we've been just super disconnected from, you know, that we all have, it doesn't cost anything to, yeah. to breathe, you know, and to learn how to breathe properly is, I think it's, I mean, I believe that it is one of the most important things you can do for yourself is breathe properly. Yeah. Because if you can breathe properly, most other things will take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, I know we talked a little bit about it, but I've just read that book, Breath, by Good James name. Nestor. Great book. I recommend it for everybody, all my listeners, if you guys haven't checked that book out. Do yourself a favor and read it. And then get the app, get Breathwork, the app, because it's life-changing. You know, when you learn what your breath can do for you and how to utilize it, it changes your life. And it changes your whole perspective. What if you're not doing what your breath can do against you, too? Right. If you're not breathing through your nose, you're not breathing yes. deeply, you could cause more high, more anxiety, you could more, cause more blood pressure. Yeah. Um, building up CO2 tolerance is extremely <clears throat> important. So all these things can happen if you're not breathing properly, too. Mm -hmm. And we need to be aware of both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting how he was basically saying all of these Western civilized, quote unquote, civilized practices are basically killing us and making us malformed. Yeah, they're changing the structure of our face, yeah. of our jaws, of yeah. the roof of our mouth. Yeah. And how all of these primitive tribes uh, who just did nasal breathing mm -hmm. were all basically superheroes. <laughs> like the men and the women just looked like you know, gods and goddesses and could do anything. And they just tape the baby's mouth closed. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, man. Um, well, anything else before we shut this thing down, dude? What's next for you? What's next for me? Well, I'm currently, I'm about to finish the first run of uh, my book, The Ebb and Flow, Basic Tools to Transform Your Life. Love that. Um, and I'm 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 on the precipice of finishing the first draft, uh, so I'm going to get that finished and out there by the end of this year. That's my goal. I'm going to keep doing the podcast. The ebb and flow is really my 
way of being mm-hmm. and i'm i'm branding that and putting that out into the world it's it's just basic tools to that anyone can utilize to transform your life it's how you eat it's how you move meditate how you connect with the world through prayers and affirmations mm-hmm. um and uh how you think and so I'm I'm just continuing to cultivate that. Going to finish this book. Going to keep this podcast going. Doing some cool stuff with you guys. Davey just connected me with Ben. Super excited about that. Stoked on that. Going to do some some meditations and some guided sessions. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. You know, my my whole purpose, whatever by whatever means necessary, is to raise the level of consciousness on this planet. So whether that's through this podcast, through my writing, through my words, uh, that's my goal, man. So, yeah, man. That's great. And I appreciate you, dude. Appreciate you, too. Keep doing your thing, Max. I mean, dude, this is your first thing. You're fucking, the sky is the limit, bro. You're going to be a fucking juggernaut. (laughs) It's exciting. Yeah, man. It's very exciting. And you're you're doing God's work, dude. You know, because you took something, you took something ancient and super important for the well-being of every human on this planet and you made it really accessible and you reinvigorated it with energy and modernity. Yeah. And it's going to be I'm just, I'm super excited for you and I'm really I thank you dude because you're a breath of fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah, you. man. Yeah, I was, I mean, I'm even super surprised that no one has done this before. Yeah. I'm surprised that meditation apps came out before breathwork apps did. It's just, I'm I'm humbled too, and I'm grateful that I was one of like the first people to go and actually make a brand out of it. Um, And it just, it feels great. And I'm excited for other people to come in too and just kind of continue pushing this further. But yeah, man, it's a humbling experience to say the least. Well, you were the channel that the universe needed to get it through, man. So. It's awesome, dude. We're glad to have you here. Awesome. Um, all right, everybody. Oh, people can find the app, Breathwork, yeah. Breath and WRK. Check that out in the App Store. It's fantastic. Um, on social media. Breathwork for TikTok, too. TikTok is huge. Past a million followers on TikTok. Yep. And then our Instagram is also Breathwork. Yeah. All, all Breathwork, just drop the... Uh, Boom. Boom. Love that. Um, All right, brother. Really appreciate you, man. Appreciate you having me. Really fun. We'll do it again. Yeah. Um, All right, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed that and got a lot out of it. Got as much out of it as I did. Uh, That fear and anxiety dissection was that, that really, there was a lot of insight in there. A lot of wisdom, a lot of insight in that talk. Um. So, as always, I greatly appreciate your guys' support and listenership. Uh, the greatest way you can support me in this this show is by rating it and reviewing it, subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you listen to these podcasts on. I greatly appreciate that. Share it with your friends and family. If there's a particular episode that really resonated with you that you think someone you know could benefit from, please share it with them. Uh, word of mouth is the greatest amplifier of podcasts like this one. 
So lots of love to you guys. I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. Until next time, I'm Evan Britton, and this is the Evan Flow Podcast. I'm out of here. Peace.